want to listen and connect, the Broccoli Community Church podcast. We're a group of Christians who meet in South East London and try to live in a way that reflects the love and teaching of Jesus. We hope that as you listen to this talk, it will help you to connect with God. And if you want to find out more about us and what we believe, head over to www.broccolichurch.london. Thanks for listening. It's good to be together. It's good to worship. It's good to spend time in God's presence. It's good to bring things to Him. It's good to surrender, to yield. Um, and if you've been keeping, it's sort of like if you've been wondering what's happened, we've done the the P, the pause. We've done the rejoice. We've done the ask, and the yield. He uh, comes in a little while. So, the Lord's Prayer. Um, so I listened to um, to the talk or the talks from last week, and I I was really sad that I missed out um, because it sounded like it was a really wonderful time of uh, focusing on God's presence on his purpose on um, just on how he does things who he is and how we can in different ways um, get involved in that so hearing from Ruth about how she worships at the start of her time with God um, and you know as Ruth is Ruth often is she was honest and said it doesn't always happen but that's her intention and I think that's that's a really important thing to remember. It's the intention. It's the, the direction of travel when it comes to uh, engaging with God through prayer. And then I uh, heard from Nigel and about how um, he was uh, moved to pray and to intercede over, um, over the city and over the nation and how that has come, come into fruition that prophetic praying of saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Haven't seen it in its entirety yet, but much more has happened since, since then than, than might have done. Um, and Sarah helping us to um, just to capture that essence of uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because that's right at the start after, we've, after we recognize in the Lord's Prayer, after we recognize the lordship of, of God, the awesomeness of him, the holiness of him, and then it's a, there's a, an act of surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So I'm going to um, pick up on the, sort of the, mostly on the second part, but some of all of it, if you see what I mean. Um, and uh, as I was thinking about what to what to speak on and, and uh, what to say. The, the word that I got was refocus. 
or focus. You could put the re in brackets. Um, and I think that um, when the disciples were asked Jesus, teach us to pray, probably, possibly, in their hearts was a, well, we know what they do in the temple, so can you give us a sort of like your version of it? Can you sort of like give us the, give us the Jesus version of what they say in the temple? And I think when you read the, uh, read the scripture, when you read the, the Lord's Prayer, actually Jesus is saying, let's refocus. Let's take our eyes off the, the machinations of the temple and let's refocus on God. I'm just going to read the, uh, the passage from, and this is in the message version, because um, I think it captures that um, really well. Uh, but then when I speak, I'm going to go back into the NIV. Um, but that's okay. Um, it's all there for good stuff. So here's what I want you to do, said Jesus. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father that you're dealing with, and he knows better than you do what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray really simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, do it so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes. Yes. And I say again, yes. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. So refocus. Jesus was saying to the disciples, well, you know, don't just go with what you know. I'm not just going to rehash, but reset, refocus when you sit down, when you pray, and recognize who it is that you're dealing with. And I think some of the words that, um, that Jesus used when he, uh, when he taught them to pray help us to do that, helped them to do that. Father immediately takes you out of yourself. You are not your own father. You're, talking, you're addressing someone else. Father. And immediately speaks of relationship. 
Some of our experiences of father might not be that fantastic. Some of them might be absolutely brilliant. But God is saying, I am your heavenly father, father in heaven, our father in heaven. And heaven, again, is another. It's not here. What we experience here isn't yet heaven. N.T. Wright talks about um, God's kingdom coming as heaven and earth coming together, being made in God's right way. And we don't see all of it yet. But that's why I asked you, where have you seen glimpses of heaven in this last week? Where have you seen an act of kindness, an act of love, an act of sacrifice, a givenness to someone else? Those are glimpses of God's glory, God's heaven, God's kingdom. But it reminds us that what we experience now isn't the fullness. It's not the fullness of life with God. Holy. Holy is, or hallowed, holy. Holy means to be set apart. Again, to be other. So in those three or those, those first few lines, Jesus saying, relationship with your father who is in a, in, a, in a place or coming from a place that is different to your day-to-day experience and is set apart. A different focus to the here and the now, to the what am I dealing with? What's going on in my life? What, is, what are the challenges that I'm grappling with? And he's saying, look, look up, look to your father. Your, as in your kingdom come, your will be done. Is that your, have you ever had to say, well, yeah, if, if that's what you want, you, you have your way. You had to say that in any sort of relationship at all, ever? It's, there's, there's a surrender, there's a dying to your own wants, needs, desires that says, I'm going to put you first. And that's what, That's what Jesus is saying. We need to put God's kingdom first. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my kingdom, not my way of doing things, not my ideas about what should be or what shouldn't be, but yours, Heavenly Father, your ways. And we know that his ways are good, his ways are perfect, his ways are true, his ways are just, his ways are righteous. Why would we not want to see his kingdom come? Why would this world not want to see his kingdom come? Anyone see the uh, um, question time, people's question time on Friday evening? A lady in the audience said, asked Boris, how important do you think it is that someone should be uh, honest and trustworthy in a public office? How, how important do we think that is? I think it's incredibly important. I think integrity is one of those things that means that people will follow you or not. And we can follow Jesus because what he says is what he did. And he did what he said he was going to do. There is integrity in his lovely, heavenly leadership. But what we say is we want to see more of you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give. 
It's a pleading. It's a supplication. Looking to someone else. If you've had small people around you at any point where they've needed your help, they might not have said, give me, but they, in some way or another, they will have asked for something from you. And it's a, it's a place of weakness, of surrender, of supplication. He's saying to the disciples, don't think that you can do it all on your own. Church, don't think that we can do it all on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the love of the Father. We need the grace of Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread. In the message it said three square meals a day. And then you'll remember that when uh, Jesus was tempted in the desert and, the, and the, uh, the devil said, turn these stones into bread, Jesus said, but man doesn't live simply by bread alone, but, by from, e- but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. So those three square meals are not just the physical f- three square meals that fill us up, but that regular time with God. Don't know if you read in a bulletin this week. I uh, tempted to have my sort of quiet time on the tube, and it was a different experience because quite often, you know, I sort of tend to save it for a time where I'm quiet, you know, where I'm on my own in the house or whatever. Having a quiet on time on the tube is a bit different. Nobody talks, but you are absolutely packed in, surrounded. You try, I mean, reading any book on a tube when you face, face up to someone is, is quite a thing. But when it says um, spending time with Jesus on the cover and you're reading it and the person you know who's standing opposite you is also reading what's on the front and, and on the back of it. As you know, I, needed, I need to eat. I need to eat of the word of God. That was, that was the opportunity in that day because once I got off the tube, it was... Phew, Straight through until about 10 o'clock that night. But I needed to eat. And Jesus says, ask. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive. Forgive us. Putting ourselves in that place where we recognize that God is the one who gives forgiveness. And because he forgives us, we can then forgive. And it's not just because then we can, but actually, and then Jesus picks up on this at the end of the passage that we're looking at, it's not just he has so we can, it's he has, so make sure you do. Are you holding on to grudges? Is there something in the way? Lead us not into temptation, lead. It means that we follow away from temptation. Lead us not into temptation. It's one of those, I do surveys and stuff, and you ask people a double negative question and they get all confused and don't know whether to answer yes or no to it. Lead us not into temptation. So lead us away from temptation and we follow talked many times about Netflix and stuff that soft porn on Netflix and Amazon Prime and whatever and how I have to have to work away from that and it's leading lead us not into temptation what decisions are we making that are 
helping us to turn around and follow Jesus away from those things that we know trap us or undermine us or destabilize us, whether it be thought patterns, whether it be things that we watch, whether it be uh, stuff that we read, whether it be um, stuff that we look at on the internet, the television, whatever. Lead us not into temptation. That's not a, and therefore he'll just pick us up and sort of like march us in the other direction. There's a, you lead us and we will follow. Deliver us from evil. It's a bit odd, don't you think? A bit of an odd phrase, deliver us from evil. Having just said that Jesus doesn't pick us up and move us out. It, it's odd, and it would, have, it would have seemed odd at that time. But how would they have seen it? How would the disciples have seen it when they remembered, when they sat down to pray after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? And then they suddenly go, Ah, oh, that's what he meant. We can choose in and get hold of his salvation. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the wages of sin. Deliver us from those things which will cause death and destruction in our lives and bring us into new life, Jesus. So all these words are helping us to refocus from what is going on in our lives, from what is, not what's going on in our lives, but how we might be perceiving them, to focus on our Heavenly Father, who is holy, he's in heaven, he's holy, it's about his kingdom, it's about uh, reliance on him, it's about being set free through his forgiveness, about following his lead, and about being delivered by him. The passage is topped and tailed with two sections either side of the the Lord's Prayer. It's you and God. Jesus says, when you pray, don't don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And uh, Jesus is, uh, you know, this, I think this is quite a, quite a big thing. <laughs> This is quite a big thing for Jesus about what's about the difference between what's going on in your heart and what's going on on the outside. Coming back to that word integrity again, because he told a parable, um, which we read in Luke's gospel, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. So beware if you're confident of your own. Anyone here confident of their own righteousness? I won't ask you. I won't really ask you to put your hand up. Um, 
But Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Look at me. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus, when he said, go into your own room and pray and don't do it out, uh, out on the streets, the disciples would have known that that, w- that was a practice that went on, that people went to the temple and sort of like did it large, if you like, in front of everyone else to make themselves look holy and righteous and wonderful. So he says, go into your own room, go into the hidden place, go into the secret place, go into the quiet place and do business with God. At no point am I suggesting that we shouldn't ever meet together in prayer meetings where we gather together, where we agree with one another. Um, It was a, had a fantastic time 10 days ago, 11 days ago, Alex led our, led the the Brooklyn prayer meeting on the Wednesday at Nigel and Pat's house about eight, nine of us there, I think, and uh, absolutely felt the presence of God come as we prayed together, as we prayed through the Lord's Prayer. Really, really significant times together when we get together and we pray. But what Jesus is saying here is, do your business with God. Get with him. Sit with him. Listen to him. Dwell in his presence, read his word, feed on him. Bring the stuff to him that's going on. Rejoice with him. Worship him. Get life from him. It's you and it's God. No one else has got a tick sheet marking you. Just get to know Jesus. And then, so that was at the beginning of the passage. And then at the end of the passage, Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I think... When, when, I was, when I was reading this, when I was thinking about it, I think the reason why um, Jesus made this so important or drew attention to this, if you like, is because forgiveness is where it all changes. Where situations change, where relationships change, where global conflict can change. That act of saying, I'm sorry, 
is really, really powerful. And G that's the whole reason why Jesus came to the earth. So that we could see his kingdom worked out and we could know the forgiveness of sins through his death, his resurrection. And if he knew that that was why he was coming. He knew that he was coming to restore us in our relationship with God. And he knew that he wanted to do that in a, so that it was possible for us to be restored in our relationships with other, others. Forgiveness or forgive is used 121 times in the Bible, well, at least in the NIV. And 62 of them are in the New Testament. So forgiveness is not a new thing when Jesus turned up. But the way in which we could get hold of forgiveness and no forgiveness shifted in his sacrifice rather than us having to gather up our doves and pigeons and sheep and goats and calves and whatever else and sacrifice them. He is the one sacrifice once for all people. If we confess our sins, John wrote in his letter, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And just to link into the, the, the piece about... Um, you know, sort of making sure that you're forgiving others. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So forgiveness or lack of forgiveness can be a sticking point, a stumbling point in our worship. So forgiveness is key. But what Jesus wanted us to do was refocus. What's your focus? When you close your eyes, when you're in a moment of quiet, when you're twiddling your thumbs, what's your focus? And Jesus says, look at me. Spend time with me. Talk with me. Get to know me better. I love you. I love you. I love you. So this is where yield comes in. We've done pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And just uh, a question for us to uh, just reflect on as we uh, come to a come to a close is. What is it that Jesus might be asking you to yield, to give way, to remove so that you give way to him in a different way, in a different measure? Listening to um, a series of talks from uh, Bridgetown Church in Portland, uh, John Mark Comer is a, a brilliant, brilliant speaker. Not just he doesn't. It's not just that he speaks well, but just his heart for Jesus, and the way that he expounds on the Word. Um, and uh, they're doing a series called "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry," and one of the one of the talks is on um, digital asceticism. I think that's the right word: digital asceticism. Um, how much does this thing that you hold in your pocket? How much does that hold over your life? How much influence? How much does it interrupt you? So I 
just, I've just started turning off all the notifications. And uh, if you try and get hold of me on a Saturday, I put my phone to do not disturb, just so you know. I may well get back to you by the end of Saturday, but I might not, unless it's really urgent. If you call, I don't know, a certain number of times, it will come through. But how... And that's just, you know, that's just something I, in conversation with Joe and, and listening to this talk, actually, do you know, you can, on here, if you've got an iPhone, you can see how many times you pick it up. And it's really worrying how many times it, you get interrupted by it. There you go. A bit of uh, real-time confession here. Um, where is it gone? It's there. So my daily average of phone time is an hour and 55 minutes, which doesn't sound much. Um, in the last week, it was 13 and a half hours that, I, that, this phone, that I spent on this phone in different ways. Some of that was uh, traveling. Three and a half hours was social networking. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter... I think WhatsApp is included in that as well. Um, and a number of pickups, notifications, 56 notifications, daily average. I can't find, uh, total pickups in the last week, 407 apparently is my daily average. And the most, no, sorry, 407 total pickups, which doesn't sound too bad. But on Tuesday, I picked it up 99 times. 99 interruptions. It buzzed at me. It bleeped at me. It went, feed me. Look at me. So, there you go. Just a little insight into what I'm being challenged on at the moment. But that yield, what is it that Jesus is asking you to yield? What is it that is taking your attention away from him? Or rather, what is it that you could put to one side so that you stand a bit more chance, a bit more time, or have a bit more time to focus on him? That's really worrying, isn't it? Right. So let's, um, let's pause. Let's reflect. Uh, I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer through just to help us to focus, to refocus on Jesus. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What is it that Jesus is asking you to yield?
Thank you, Jesus, that there is grace sufficient for us. Thank you, Jesus, that this isn't a word to condemn or to bind us up, but to release and to free us. Help us, Lord, to look to you, to refocus on you, to look to your face, to know that you are shining upon us. And help us, Lord, to seek opportunities to do that more, that we might know you more deeply, more intimately, and that as we do so, that we might love you in greater ways. Ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Whatever you're doing, just take a moment and reflect on what you've heard and ask God to show you something to take away from it to help you follow him. And if you're ever in the area on a Sunday, you're really welcome to come and join us from 10.30 at Beecroft Garden School.